Hello and welcome to Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast, where I'll be hanging out with players and teachers and having conversations loosely based around harmonica. This week's guest is a winner of the National Harmonica League Player of the Year and has been described by Adam Gusso as a complete bluesician in every respect. He's an excellent band leader and teacher who I have the pleasure of working with on a regular basis. He's my harmonica brother from another mother, Liam Ward. Welcome to the show, Liam. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Lovely to be here. So uh, will, you, will you tell us a little bit about where you are currently? Because uh, I know that uh, a lot of our listeners will be over in the US and uh, they might not have a good mental image of uh, where you reside. Okay, so I live, I live in a town called Stroud and it's, kind, it, it's part of an area in England called the Cotswolds, which is really quaint and it's kind of, it's like little English villages, the sort of... Um, chocolate box kind of image of of cottages with thatched roofs all that kind of stuff except that the town i live in stroud is kind of like this alien that they want to get rid of because we're too artsy and radical and and strange and quirky so we're kind of the black sheep of of the cotswolds really so that that, i fit in there and that's where i live I was going to say that sounds like it's made for you as a location. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, I mean, we bought a house here, we stayed here, you know. <laughs> fair, fair. And what's it looking like uh, currently? Um, is it uh, is it pretty seriously quarantined or? Um, I, you know, I'm finding that I don't know about you, but you go out for a walk and you get this mix of people who are really friendly and it's almost brought them out of their shell and they're, and they're just really kind of more talkative, I think, than they'd be normally. And then you get people who almost cross the street so they don't go near anyone else. And it's kind of like, whoa. Um, so there's that divide. I, I imagine that's the same everywhere. I mean, uh, what are you finding in, in Edinburgh? <laughs> I feel really bad. I'm the person who's crossing to the other side of the street. You bastard! <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, but but to be fair, like I think people are being less friendly than normal up here, um, but it's really crowded. So yeah, like you've got someone work, walking on one side of the road, someone walking on the other side, and then I'm walking down the middle of the road with traffic screaming past me. <laughs> um, so it's uh, it's not an ideal situation, and I, I do feel a bit bad when I see a very friendly-looking person coming towards me, and the first thing I do is just step out into traffic. <laughs> Especially because I walked all the way to Edinburgh just to see you. I know. <laughs> and I still insisted on doing this this uh, at a distance. <laughs> and, um, um, you know what's nice is it's brought out this strange kind of defiance in people that, you know what, I'm bloody well going to get my daily walk. And they're people who'd never normally leave the house. And then it's like, well, if I'm only allowed to leave the house once, I'm going to go on a walk, you know. And there's this. So even the people who aren't friendly, there's, there's this kind of look on their face of, of cool, calm, kind of defiance in, in the face of the authorities. It's kind of, it's a strange emotion it's bringing out. Yeah, it's true. But that, I mean, it feels so British, doesn't it? It's, it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well, they told us we could have one form of exercise and by Jove, I'm going to have it. <laughs> I'm going to take my evening perambulation. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, man. And uh, is you're kind of uh, you've got a little bit more space than I do, haven't you? You've got got some outdoor space you can uh, you can make use of and uh, get some natural yeah. light. Yeah, we've got a little a little garden out the back which um, gets a little bit of sun at the top end. If if we kind of 
force ourselves up against the back wall we can just about see the sun before it sets which is nice um so i've been i've been taking advantage of my time at home to build a wood and coal store for when when the apocalypse comes we're sorted for fuel for for a few weeks at least and we've got a pretty little wooden thing to store it in now because you know i'm stuck at home so that's my new hobby See, I, I find that hilarious when I saw that posted on uh, Facebook the other day because I, I had a conversation with you a few days before. You're like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna start practicing more. I've got, got all this extra time. <laughs> and, and then you, you take up carpentry. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I usually get no time at all for editing my, my websites and, and they're usually a bit messy. And I mean, yours are perfect so I, i'm sure that the, yeah. well actually no i'm not going to give you any credit because you've got minions doing it all for you so i take all the credit back but but you can give credit to I, them yeah yeah they're brilliant you're useless oh. <laughs> you're just the you're just the man at the top taking the credit this is this is the first time that everyone everyone's heard about this they all thought that i, I was one of those people who had 40 hours in the day that's me see this is the point right so I usually don't get to do my website stuff and they're all a bit messy and I never get around to it. But like today, for example, before before we started this podcast, I've basically just been staring at my website editor kind of when I first get there, I go, oh, it looks OK. It looks all right. And then six hours later, I'm still like on the homepage going, well, this shade of blue, should I change it like three percent if, if i make it slightly darker or lighter will that make me sell more albums or more uh, lessons or something you know and i've disappeared down this rabbit hole oh man I, I know that feeling but while you're doing that i'm listening to your album and stealing your licks so you've you got you got to watch out <laughs> well you know um adam gusso is you know you, I, I love that quote that you you um mentioned at the top of the show and he's always got great quotes. And I, I remember reading his um, his memoir about Satan and Adam. Uh, is it Mr. Satan's Apprentice, I think yeah. it's called. And somewhere in that, he just says, steal, steal everyone's shit, you know. And that kind of that kind of stuck with me as a, an idea. Um, not in life, you know, but musically. <laughs> um, you know, be a, be a magpie, be, you know, take the shiny stuff. That's the thing. I, d- I don't think there's anything wrong with... Um... Take, taking what you hear and appropriating it and building it into your repertoire. Uh, I think I think a lot of people, a lot of students especially, get really worried about starting to improvise because they think that improvisation is creating out of thin air something that has never been done before. And I mean, mm-hmm. we tend to play with six in, six notes on the instrument, so that there's only so yeah. much originality you can manage with that. Um, and if you're a bit jazzier, then you've still only got 12 notes. So, you know, you, you have to take stuff you've heard and um, improve on it or put your own spin on it. Um, it it's a funny one when you, you're a, any kind of musician and you've got peers that you play with every so often and you, it, it, you play with another harmonica player and you realize that they took something that you played last time. And so you feel that you have to take something from them. Um, like I, I remember um, at the Edinburgh Harmonica Workshop, I think it was the first one, but starting one of my solos uh, with one of your licks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were really upset because you were going to start start a similar solo like that. 
I think I only have one lick, so the problem is it was gone by the time you'd used it. Uh, that's not true. You, you have a, a monstrous repertoire of licks, especially on uh, your your album, which was it last year you put that out or the year before? It must be a couple of years now. I See, I was planning a new one for this summer and obviously the way the world is now, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um but it's been it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I think it must be two and a bit years now. So I've got a load of new songs. I'm not really playing stuff off off that album anymore. I'm doing new songs, and I've been gigging them a while. And it's those the new songs almost feel old now. And I need to record them and, and get them out into the world. You know. Um, so when you record, do do you do it kind of at home, or do you go and rent a studio and do it the old fashioned way? What's the process? I only record at home for session stuff and if, if they don't want me in the studio or, do, or can't pay for me in the studio. <laughs> um, and so with, with my jug band, with the Jake Leg jug band, I, these days I tend to record at home um, because we'll, we tend to make the albums kind of bit by bit and usually in small scale studios where it's actually easier for me to just kind of play from home which is nice because more and more of the songs are on chromatic and i can't play the bloody thing so i'm kind of at home like desperately trying to work out the notes piecing together patching together a kind of a a solo or even just a simple melody like i can get a few a few notes and then i I mess it up so then i stop and the next few notes the next few notes you know (laughs) i know that feeling i was uh, i was recording something with delacroix and um Harry, 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 the guitarist in the band I play in, um, always likes to see how far he can push the harmonica player. Um, and <laughs> he's a very accomplished musician, and he plays an instrument that's uh, very chromatic. And so he'll he'll quite often say, "Wouldn't it be great if uh, if we played this line uh, like all of us? We played the same line together." Um, and synchronize it and and i remember trying to do this and it it involved kind of overblows and extreme bending and all this weird stuff and and the 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 engineer very helpfully and also it really upset me she's like oh don't worry we can i'm sure we can we can stitch it together from all the bits you've played i'm just like no i'm going to play it i'm gonna do it right (laughs) yeah that that happens with guitarists i mean Things. I mean, sometimes it's not even just the simplicity of the harmonica, it's just the layout of notes. So something that falls on the guitar well, and this is, of course, true true with any instrument, won't fall well on the harmonica. So you're kind of going, what the hell? But it's actually really easy on the guitar, or comparatively easy. Um, and then you're going, look, I've got this stupid little toy instrument. You know, what, what do you expect me to do? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one because I mean, you you play a lot of different styles on harmonica, um, mm. and I've struggled to play a lot of different styles and have just resigned myself to kind of stick to blues and blues associated genres, so R and B, funk, soul, uh, jazz tinged blues. I'm not going to say jazz because that's <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Like, how how do you how do you make it work? Because um, it's not easy. Um. Uh, it's a good question. I, I think being comfortable with positions and and the different strengths that positions give you is, is a big thing. Um, and that, that'll include not just first, second, third, but also 12th, um, maybe fourth, maybe some others. Um, 
but twelfth is twelfth is a good one or first flat for bright sort of major kind of tunes. If, if you look at um, kind of musical theatre stuff and the Great American Songbook and 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 even jazz standards. Um, or at least jazzy. <laughs> Don't use the jazz word, the J word. Um, but the 12th position often kind of works for that stuff in a way that second or first doesn't as much. Um, but even if you take the first three positions, it's really helpful to understand those and the, the strengths that they have. And I think that's something that isn't always explored and... Maybe it's something you and I and others should should do more teaching for, um, because second is is just the default thing. You know, cross harp is kind of once you get into blues, at least then then you're almost stuck in second position, aren't you? You're kind of like, well, this is the way I play, and you 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 become scared of other positions. Yeah, so much like so much so that you'll quite often find that when you're playing with a guitarist or a keyboard player, or whatever, they they probably start knowing what harmonica you should be playing in second position so they'll start telling you the key because they're, they're trying to be helpful so for example that you know the the song is in the key of e um and they'll and you ask them what key it is and say oh it's 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 an a and you'll be feeling a little bit fruity and and thinking oh well i, I might do this in third position you'll grab your d harmonica um Oh, sorry, you'll grab your uh, G harmonica and uh, and go to play in, in A and it'll sound really weird because you're not playing in E, which is what they wanted you to play in. But, you know, they were being helpful because harmonica players always play in second position. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously we were planning, or you, you were running the Edinburgh Harmonica Workshop, which sadly isn't going to go ahead this year. But oh, the dude, whole top- I didn't tell you. It's just It's just not going ahead with you. <laughs> well you know what I, I i knew you'd come to your senses at some point i'm just amazed that you put up with me for as long as you did <laughs> no I, i'm kidding in case anyone is listening unfortunately the harmonica workshop the edinburgh harmonica workshop is cancelled this year um i'm just uh joshing with uh, liam <laughs> so um darn you it was when you t- it was when you turned around on the street in edinburgh that i knew yep. <laughs> I was like, that's it he's, he's walking away um so so because we were we were gonna teach and i hope we, i hope we get to do some of this teaching because i've bloody prepared it all um no, I, I hope we get to do some of this teaching because it because it's really interesting but jam nights are fascinating in that regard because it it seems to be more and more people kind of do they know that second position thing mm-hmm. and you're constantly being told the wrong key um and and people are trying to be helpful and, and that was one of the things i was i wanted to talk about those sort of possible pitfalls when you when you get to a jam session and and you almost have to be really clear with your questioning with people mm-hmm. and and sort of you know, ask them what key they're playing in on guitar, or ask them the you know, ask them concert pitch, or ask them sort of don't 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 try and tell me what harmonica I need. Tell me what key the song is, kind of thing. Like, be really clear with them. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point, and and we'll we'll definitely get to to do that workshop. I'm hoping next year, um, unless the pandemic really devolves into something much more serious. Not that it isn't already insanely serious, but. I'm hoping that it'll be clear by 2021 and we'll be able to do workshops again. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one, kind of 
where a harmonica player fits into uh, a band because it's 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 such a, a strange role um, especially if you're just a harmonica player and you're not a band leader um, I think pe people expect uh, that you that you're just going to add a little bit of um, spice on top rather than um, kind of adding something musically valid and if you go in there with a little bit of musical knowledge they're kind of surprised and don't really know how to handle it when you said add a little bit of spice you did a little hand wiggle and i'm imagining that when when you play with your band you kind of do that every time you take a solo now <laughs> well yeah the, the, the little tomlin wiggle yeah <laughs> uh this is this is wasted on the the audio recording <laughs> <laughs> oh man so okay so a, lo a lot of our plans a lot of your plans have uh, have been suddenly scuppered um what what are you working on uh, now that you've got extra time, are you what, practicing? I mean, apart, from the, apart from the carpentry. Apart from the carpentry and the website, I, I'm assuming there are other plans. Um, yeah, I mean, I put more time aside for practice and I'm hoping that it, it kind of happens. So this week I've been recording lessons, so I haven't really been practicing. But the, the next few months, I've got more practicing kind of scheduled in my diary than I have probably ever. Um, I mean, I played a lot when I was younger, but I've never had this kind of organized in my, you know, in my diary kind of uh, the, this many hours kind of practicing. Um, and it's not a huge amount, but it's more than I have done. I mean, I'm guilty. I think you mentioned a similar thing when you were talking to Will Wilde in your first podcast. Um that thing of telling your students about regular practice and a little bit every day, yada, yada. Um, and then you can get into a kind of a habit yourself of just being so busy that you, you don't do it yourself. And then you think, well, you know, I'm going out there and telling people to do this stuff and I'm not doing it myself. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because I, I, I know that when I was uh, gigging a lot, because I, I used to do four or five nights a week, and I'd be teaching a lot as well. I didn't have time to practice, but I felt that I was, I didn't feel like I was improving, but I, I felt like I was maintaining fluidity and and kind of keeping keeping loose in, in a good way. And that that's something that you get from performing and using your instrument a lot, but you, you don't, I don't think you improve beyond a certain point um, unless, unless there are reasons to, unless your band asks you to learn challenging things or whatever, it's, it's quite difficult to make a, a concerted improvement. Um, do you find the same? You know, I think there's different types of improvement and the time when I was kind of happiest with my playing was when I was, I wasn't gigging a lot. I mean, I was playing out in bars a lot, but I was just sitting in with people so i had a, a period of a few years where i basically i was that annoying guy who like waves his harmonica from the back of the room and and kind of shuffles his way on stage semi-uninvited um and i just played with loads of people and it meant i was playing genres that i i didn't really know about and i was forcing myself outside my comfort zone and i made loads of mistakes but i got a really good sense of 
what to do live and my, my live playing and my improvisation and my my ear it was kind of really intense ear training so I was then able to hear stuff that now I can't hear I, I've heard a few recordings of, of that time and I've gone shit did I play that I mean and it's not it's not like out of this world but I'm like that was really like just you know I didn't know the song and yet I played something tasteful and interesting and and so and I wasn't practicing a lot I was just jamming so there's that side of it but then if you want to improve your technique if you want to understand music better in a theoretical way and and actually bring yourself on in specific ways with specific um, goals in mind of course practice is the way to do that okay well we'll talk about this afterwards when we're not recording and and you can tell me <laughs> tell me the truth and <laughs> <laughs> um, so so do you have a, a anything specifically that you're wanting to work on uh with your practice i'm kind of really interested in phrasing at the minute and everything that entails so the whole motivation behind this was I, I was thinking recently well what is it that's holding my playing back and there's loads of things but I kind of decided if I had to pick one thing that was a difference between me and my playing and then my favorite players it would be phrasing and there'd be other things but it would be they'd come up with unpredictable kind of groupings of notes and positioning of those notes i haven't actually worked out how to learn any of that stuff yet but my plan is to work out how to learn that stuff it's that's not much right. of a plan but that's the plan <laughs> i i think this is an interesting topic that it's it's a word that gets bandied around a ton uh, mm. by teachers by players it's something that you'll hear at a jam session someone will point out that that guitarist over there has great phrasing but i don't think it's uh always very well understood um how how, how do you describe phrasing to your students well let's see this is the thing i haven't really taught much phrasing in that there's so much other stuff to get no, no, I was going to say before, and I, I don't really mean before, but there's so much other stuff that tends to come up naturally, if, if that makes sense, um, that phrasing almost gets left by the by. And, and that's a failure on my part, I think, and, and represents my playing as well. Um, but it isn't something that I tend to go down. I mean, there's always so much work getting people to understand what the right notes are or the strong notes are at any given point over any given chord. Um, the, the phrasing is, is always this side issue that isn't always um, kind of tackled head on. Uh, what's your approach with your students? So my approach for phrasing specifically is to, um, it's kind of the same approach for everything, is, is listen to um, musicians with great phrasing. Uh, Pick, pick people that you enjoy listening to and try and work out, for, for, for starters, what, what the kind of rhythmic phrasing and, and the, the timing is of it. Because I think, yeah, interesting note choices, interesting um, kind of orders of notes, that's, that's a big part of it. But it's also the spacing and the 
the story arc that you're trying to create when you're playing. So if you listen to Miles Davis uh, and you listen to all of Kind of Blue, that's just killer phrasing all the way through. And if you try and replicate without even thinking about what note choices are, you're, you're just trying to replicate the, the rhythm and the spacing. I think that that's a huge part of it to begin with. Uh, that's certainly what, what I would do with students is, is get them to try and replicate what they hear um, from things that aren't necessarily harmonica. So singers are, I think, a great uh, inspiration for great phrasing. Um, you know, any any wind instrument that's not harmonica is great for <laughs> for phrasing. Well, the, the reason I say that is harmonica has the the amazing advantage and disadvantage in that you can play constantly because you can breathe out and breathe in. Um, so where a lot of other instruments might have natural phrases that are dictated to by how long they can play for um, because they need to take a breath, we, we don't have that. And that that's something that I'm sure you've noticed in, in kind of students who are earlier on their improvisational journey that they get to the end of a phrase where you would you would stop the phrase and they just hold the note and then they change air direction and it just keeps going and then they start another and and there's there's no there's no punctuation there's no pauses where there should be yeah yeah i i mean i think a lot of it comes down to confidence if if you're nervous or just inexperienced then it's very difficult to stop yourself. It, it's comforting to keep hearing the instrument and mm-hmm. to keep breathing and concentrating on that and not kind of having the time to look around and notice what other people are thinking of your playing or kind of worry about that space between the notes. So it, it's partly a mental thing of gaining the confidence to take the thing out of your mouth <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you've almost got time to put it in your pocket and take it out again and before the next phrase. But that could be that could be a cool exercise is, is you have to f- maybe not put it in your pocket because of lint and stuff, but you have to <laughs> physically put the instrument down in between phrases and that that will build mm-hmm. a natural pause in. Because um, I, I think if you listen to singers, generally, I find, especially in blues music, they sing only 50 percent of the time during a verse. And there's about 50% gap. And, and if you think about not playing for as much as that, it, it's kind of scary. But I, I think it's a, it's a very musical uh, approach. And then you, you can always fill it in. But it's, it's easier to add things as you progress through a solo rather than uh, taking them away. Um, I think it's really easy to just go in full, full speed and, and do too much. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're playing as loud as you can play and as busy as you can play at the start of the solo, there's nowhere to go. So so there's there's you can't build an arc. You can only stay there or go down. You know, it, it's uh, a tricky position to find yourself in. See, I, I think I think phrasing is a great thing for anyone to practice, but I do think you're selling yourself massively short. I think of, of uh, all the players that I listen to, you're someone who has excellent phrasing, Um and uh, and it's I feel that you think very musically. You don't necessarily think, uh, you know, I want to be a harmonica hero, even though you are a harmonica hero. You, you you think about servicing the song and creating something very musical. You use a lot of dynamics in in your solos, and and you build the solos. 
Um, I I know that I find it I find it exciting and intimidating when whenever we play together. So that's um, why you turn around when you see me in the street. Yep. <laughs> oh no, he's brought his harmonica. <laughs> he's going to expect me to play. <laughs> <laughs> I think dynamics is another thing. So I love using dynamics, and and there's most people especially when they're relatively inexperienced on the harmonica, they're, they're not aware of the huge dynamic range the harmonica can have. And it's, it's the same with any instrument, but with, with harmonica, it's rarely tapped into, especially the quieter side of it, because when you start playing with bands, you're then competing with the other instruments. So most of the time you just spend smashing the notes out as hard as you can in the hope that you'll be heard. Mm-hmm. And actually, if if the setup of the band and the amplification is correct, you should be able to play very gentle notes and still be heard, just like with an electric guitar, you know. Um, You don't always have to kind of smash out every single note. And it's one of the things that overnight, I think, so many players could improve their playing if they just practiced bringing the volume down and then back up and down and playing with... The, the kind of those changes in volume without even changing a single note in their playing, it would make everything they played more interesting. Oh, definitely. And, and well, we've spoken about this before and uh, you've actually recorded a course for Tomlin Harmonica School uh, all about dynamics. And I think it is such an overlooked subject. And it, it's, it's kind of a, a consistent thing when I give feedback to students of you know, gen- generally they're they're playing at the higher end of the dynamic range of the instrument already all the time. So they're they're, mm-hmm. they're playing at one hundred and one percent all the time, and and I, I, you're kind of my my first thing is play a little bit softer, and and they play again and it's exactly the same volume, and and it's kind of like how 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 do you get someone to realize that just that tiniest tiniest amount of airflow can 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 re- can provide something. Uh, that's that's really interesting to hear, and you've got that whole range, but it's really difficult to convince people. And I, I, I've done some really cruel things in the past with students, where I've I've hooked them up to an amp, and I've given them a microphone, and I've set the amp so that it's unbearably loud, and they're right next to it, and you know they 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 have to play quietly, otherwise it's really painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really difficult one. Um, Skype has been interesting teaching over Skype. Um, sometimes I've used the kind of practice exercise of, you know, play a bit softer, play a bit softer, and we'll, we'll keep going, we'll keep going, to the point where I'll kind of say to them, I don't want to hear the note, because over Skype, you should be able to play a note that's so quiet that the other the person at the other end shouldn't hear it. Um, and getting them down, it's, I can't usually get them down to that quiet, but usually I'll, I can you know reduce their volume 50 percent or something which, which is some sort of victory i think definitely definitely and i think that's that's what a lot of students don't realize when they listen to these amazing recordings of amplified harmonica you know, it, and it cuts through and it's been mixed so beautifully and and they think wow they must be playing so hard it's like no that's that's why they're using a microphone it's and that's why they they've got great cupping technique and and that that's how it cuts through it's not because they're playing super super hard i mean there is nothing worse than what you described earlier uh of being on stage and not being able to hear yourself and not being certain and anyone else can hear yourself so you play really hard 
and and you know that if anything is coming through it's not the nicest sound that you can make um because everything's going to be overdriving too much and it'll be yeah. too big <laughs> not in a good way <laughs> Yeah, I mean, David Barrett's a great example of that soft playing. And I remember when when you had him over for the festival and I'd seen his stuff online and it's one thing to hear someone on on a YouTube video and and they're kind of playing at home and it's easy to play quieter if, if you're just in a room on your own. But then he got up with the band and he was so laid back, he was almost horizontal. And yeah. he was, his playing was like exactly as relaxed as as he is at home i imagine and i'm not you know stalking him <laughs> i can do the window um and um and i i thought that was a great lesson to the students and and to us well to me certainly i was kind of thinking oh you know to be that that relaxed it was amazing oh dude it was definitely a, a lesson for me as well um it was quite funny though because because uh, i offered him the choice between uh, a, a little valve amp and a really big loud valve amp and i yeah. i just assumed he'd go for the little understated one he's like no i want the big one <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's he's very chill and laid back because he's got an amp that's that's going to push it out which uh i think is, is something to to bear in mind as well um because you don't want to play loud through a loud amp yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing is a lot of people are battling a band that's too loud and they've got an amp that's too small or they haven't got an amp or they you know they haven't got um, a monitor so they don't know whether they're being heard. So a lot of the time it isn't people's fault. It, it's the situation and the kind of setup with the band. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's a difficult one to um, it's a difficult one to to learn. And that's kind of I'm so disappointed about not not doing this workshop this year because that's really what I wanted to get people comfortable um, with is is being on stage, how to hear yourself, understanding what a monitor is, understanding where to stand in relation to your amp and all of that stuff. It's really difficult to practice at home. Um, it's it, there's no kind of substitute for doing hundreds and hundreds of pub gigs, basically. Yeah. Because I mean, that, that, that's what you've done. That's what I've done, and I, I am sh almost certain, unless you are the luckiest person on the planet, that you very rarely get the ideal monitoring situation. Yeah, you know, being at home, um, it's kind of it, it's like my ears, my ears are coming back and working again, and and um, I've also realised that you can go to bed before midnight, which is which is an interesting thing. <laughs> um, so you know. Yeah, these these pub gigs, they you, you're lucky if you come home with, without your ears ringing a lot of the time, and um, yeah, monitor wise, a lot of the time you haven't even got one, and it's uh, it's certainly something. It it's difficult. There, there are ways of teaching it online, but it there's there's definitely value to having everyone in a room together and with a band and with the equipment there and trying it out. Um, you know. T touching the microphone, passing it to someone else, hand handing on a virus, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I hope when, when things have changed, when, when the world is touchwood back to normal or some form of normal, we can, we can uh, get back to teaching people that stuff. Yeah, we might have to wipe down the microphones in between. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, um, I don't know. You know, if 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 we all get relaxed back into our our normal lives, we might forget about all this. You know, who talks about SARS these days? 
That's true, but but SARS didn't make it as as far as us really, did it? It it's really. I mean, obviously it's unprecedented, and I think people in the US are experiencing similar things to have this this kind of lockdown thing going on. We went for a walk to town, me and my good lady wife the other day. I like her more than my hairy man wife. Um, <laughs> Is that me? <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we, we just took a stroll into town and, and some police officers walked past us and I kind of almost felt guilty for a minute. Like, oh, are we doing something wrong? You know, we were just taking our allowed um, kind of daily walk, but it, it's kind of, it's a strange atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's weird. It's I'm finding it very pleasant at home. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm connecting with a lot of people that I haven't done so in a while. I'm doing these podcasts. Uh, I'm I mean, I I already work from home anyway, so it's not been a huge culture shock to me. But but I've been feeling good at home. I've been practicing. Um, I've started practicing chess just for a little bit of light relief. Uh, chess records. Yeah, chess records, uh, chess the game. But as soon as I go outside, I just feel like, like, it, like I'm just um, under attack, and, and there's, it's just I've got to go out and come back in as quickly as possible. It's not comfortable at all. Yeah, it, it's a it's kind of a strange feeling to have. Have you kind of um, changed? I mean, would would you go out a lot more than you are currently going out then? Or because obviously you work from home most of the time anyway. So because I work from home, I usually go out for a couple of hours walk most days, uh, mm. or I'll go swimming, um, and I meet people for coffee uh, three times a week probably. Um, so I, I'm I'm aware of the dangers of being stuck at home all the time. So I, I make a concerted effort to to do things outside. So I'm I'm missing that. Um, it's a bit weird. Do you still get to go and um, check on the minions you've got working in the cellar, locked up, doing all your work? <laughs> Is well, that allowed? No, no, we're all quarantined. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> so uh, Leanne, uh, who keeps a lot of the um, the harmonica school running. Um, in the kind of in the back end of it, she's based in the Philippines, um, and um, she's she's also in lockdown. But um, but you know we, we talk all the time online, um, and yeah, it's it's sounding like like they're they're okay out there. Um, she's in a good position where she is. I think it might be different if she was in Manila, uh, you know, kind of big city. Um, yeah, um, and and I've got one of my minions, uh, the video editor Fergus. He's he's in the same city as me, and I, I'd probably see him two or three times a week. Um, and now I don't, which is uh, it's kind of sad because because I enjoy working with him. Um, I think he enjoys working with with me as well. I certainly know that it's a lot easier um, if I'm there to answer questions about stuff. Um, and. But yeah, but he's working from home. He'll be editing this podcast because um, <laughs> he's also a, a good audio person, not just video. So, uh, so what's the what's the Tomlin Lecky plan then? He, it, now you've cornered the harmonica teaching online thing. It, it, it's going to be that the burgeoning market of harmonica podcasts you're going to take <laughs> by storm next. <laughs> oh man! I, well, I, I don't think I've cornered the market of uh, harmonica teaching. Um, I uh, I just right now 
Um, this sounds super cheesy. I'm really enjoying um, how much community, how much positive community stuff is happening in the harmonica world. Um, and I just, I, I want to support and promote that. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm getting everyone on to do the podcast. And <laughs> I, I also really want to, to be able to get people doing more things on Tomlin Harmonica School. Because um, I mean, you know, I, I started learning harmonica by myself at home uh, and learned from Adam Gusso on YouTube. And then I wasn't really sure what else to do. And it's taken a while to discover everyone uh, that, that I have discovered. And I, I like the idea of trying to bring all those people together um, on my site and through the podcast and YouTube and, and whatnot. So it's kind of kind of my plans are just just what they've always been really <laughs> i think that the obviously the current situation is is dire and there's terrible stuff happening but and and i think it'll bring out the worst in some people but it's definitely bringing out the best in a lot of people as well and although we're we're physically isolated there's a lot of connection going on aided by technology obviously but people wanting to connect and and remembering the importance of connection and that it is going to lead i think a bit like wartime always does to advancements and new ideas and all sorts of new stuff going on i mean i know i've, I've been sitting at home thinking what am i going to do you know so I'm, I'm i'm doing more interviews via skype and zoom and that obviously um i'm interviewing buddy green after this podcast actually oh, cool. so um, we're having a little chat and um, got some others lined up and um, I'm doing a kids course because my niece um, or well my sister-in-law asked about my niece you know give, giving uh, her daughter some uh, music lessons and I said well people are always asking for kids lessons so I'm going to do a, a, a YouTube series of just basic stuff for kids um which I, I would never usually get time for, but I just thought, well, why not, you know, and I'll dedicate it to my little niece, Lizzie, and, and uh, you know, that'll be nice. And um, I'm doing this uh, World Harmonica Jam where people can send in their submissions to play a song and I'll stitch them all together and turn it into a kind of a collaboration and all this stuff. So it's it's kind of exciting times as well as being scary times. Yeah, I think I think well, all the stuff you're doing is really really cool. I'm I'm super excited to see what this uh, worldwide jam is going to look like. Um, I'm I'm going to try and get my submission in uh, before. Is it the sixth of April? It's Monday. Yeah, Monday the sixth yeah. of April. So this this podcast is going to go out after that. So what I'll do is I'll link up uh, the final video with everyone playing. Yeah. Wait, when when are you planning on publishing that? Well, I mean, it's it'll be the week beginning the 6th of April. You know, at some point I will uh, get around to editing it. I think there's going to be lots of fiddly editing to do, yeah. um, make, making it work. Um, but I'm not expecting it to be technologically um, perfect. But I, it, the important thing for me is, again, that community aspect. I just want people to get a chance to feel a connection and it's exciting for me i've had a lot of submissions in already and i'm sitting there and people are watching these submissions as they come in and people are playing different versions of, of the song improvised kind of in their own way different positions and stuff and and um it, it's really nice seeing this stuff come in from all around the world and so 
it's more about the connection than i mean we're not going to submit it and you know try and get it on in the charts or anything <laughs> you never know it, it it could be the kind of thing that gets picked up and people will be like wow harmonica's super cool and we'll be like yeah we know we've been trying to tell you this for years <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We knew this all along. I thought I might, you know, if it goes well and, and if it works, I might make a series of it. I mean, the, I, I just kind of, I so the, for the first one I picked um, Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy, just because I love the tune and I thought it'd be a nice positive one. Um, but there's loads of tunes it would work with. And so, you know, if it doesn't take me too long to edit and, and if people enjoy it, I, I might do some more in the future. Nice. Well, it, it's funny because when... The day that you announced it, when you, you put out the video uh, explaining what to do, I had just asked uh, Harry, uh, the guitarist I work with, to uh, to, to record a 24-bar loop um, to, to then do a, a harmonica jam with uh, all of the harmonica teachers that I know. <laughs> so there's, there's going to be a, another jam happening. Um, it's weird. I think you, you and I always seem to be on, on a similar wavelength because we've, we've put out the same lesson on the same day a couple of times, haven't we? And I think we also, we, we, we like moved house on the same day. And yep. there's, there's been a few strange things. There's also been a few rumors going around that we're actually the same person. So I, I think that might be true. Yeah. I, mean, well, I get called Liam all the time. Um, I don't know if you get called Tomlin, but, uh, it's, I get called all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I don't know if it's just just something about the uh, the British harmonica contingent um, that everyone everyone else around the world is just like, ah, oh, you know, they're all they're all Liam. <laughs> maybe maybe we're the two most annoying people on YouTube, and so we get confused. <laughs> yeah. Like which annoying, which annoying British guy is that? Oh, it's well, I don't know. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> they all sound the same. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And now we're both on the same podcast and they're just thinking, maybe that's just Tomlin talking to himself. You might have to release the video for this one just to clarify who's saying what. Oh, it's, it's, it's fine. We'll, uh, we'll let them, <laughs> let the, the audience decide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, what, what's the kind of um, longer term... Uh, stuff that you're working on because I know that you recently uh, launched your uh, on your own online uh, harmonica school. How's that going? Yeah, it's going well. So it's motivated me. The the, the kind of opening of the online school has motivated me to work on some more um, kind of courses that have a clear pathway of, of development from start to finish which is stuff I haven't really done online before but it makes sense with with the online membership model and actually today it just before we uh, started recording this podcast I released my first course in that in that um, kind of mold so I've released an absolute beginner course again doing something that you've just done yourself so <laughs> proving again that we keep doing the same thing um so I, i've released the first month of what's going to be a year-long um complete beginners course so the first month is absolute basics holding the harmonica playing a few notes and playing your first song um so that's just gone out today and what, i really what is enjoyed the first song it. can i just interject have you have you stolen my first song I don't, I don't know what your first song is, so I hope not. Um, no, I did. Oh, what did I do? I did a, um, 
Uh, I, I did hot cross buns. Okay, there that's you go. okay. That's I very okay. much doubt you taught hot cross buns. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> um, so the great thing with hot cross buns is it's a really good practice for um, basically moving around the, the major scale in the middle of the heart, but then it also has a little three blow. So it, it's kind of got a little um, dip down to that lower note in it. And uh, yeah, it just seemed like the perfect one to start with. Terrible little uh, nursery rhyme, but you know. And I think the line goes... If you have no daughters, give them to your sons. I didn't even know that was the word, which is wow. an awful line. Like, your that's... poor sons sitting around, you know, daughters are getting all the hot cross buns. Yeah, that's so weird. Well, um, I will link up uh, your Absolute Beginner course um, in the show notes. Um, so that that's on learntheharmonica.com, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Very cool. And after you've done the year-long uh, course, are you going to carry on with with more advanced stuff or are you going to do kind of more specific courses on kind of specific areas um maybe a bit of both i mean i was i was thinking last night about a kind of intermediate um toolbox kind of course you know key skills that intermediates want to know giving you all my uh, trade secrets now at least we've got this recorded so i can prove that you stole my idea <laughs> What was what um, was that intermediate toolbox? <laughs> That's gold. So, <laughs> those two. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and copyright those two words. Already um, done it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, other other courses that kind of that help people focus, and I know that that's what people want, and I haven't really had the time in the past to do it, but I've actually found doing the beginner one. I've planned the whole year ahead now and actually because it forced me to be more efficient in my planning, um, just the way I had to record it and the, the kind of um, the map that I had to set myself for the whole course, it sort of ended up taking less time than my usual kind of a bit here, a bit there mm -hmm. approach. So I'll hopefully do some more and see how we see how we get on. Um but I'm hoping I'm going to be back to gigging soon, so I won't have as much time. I'm, I'm going to see see how things get on. I mean, if it hadn't been for coronavirus, I should have done, I don't know, may, maybe a hundred and something gigs this year. Which it's not it's not like I'm out every night, but it's enough that you know when you're having late nights and stuff, you're not you're not going to be doing your website stuff every day. Um, and um, I'm hoping to get back to that. If, if we haven't entered a post-gig economy, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Because I've got, like, loads of recordings on the back burner and stuff. So that there's loads of other stuff, the gigging side of things, that's waiting to be unleashed as well. Oh, that's cool. Do you, want to, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, about your, your various projects? Because you, you have a lot of different uh, musical outlets yeah, so, I mean, there's the Liam Ward band, which is my kind of baby, and that um, is all, all original rhythm and blues stuff, and that I kind of pump my own, I, I, you know, I put all, uh, all, almost all of my creative energy into that. It's, it's really sort of, it's my thing. Um, and then I do a few other projects. I play with the Jake Leg Jug Band doing 1920s stuff. Um, and yes, we struggle to pronounce it as much as everyone else who <laughs> um, announces on us on stage. So it's the Jake Leg Jug Band, and we get all kinds of, uh, next up is the Jim and 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 Jim and
so that's my other main thing. Um, and we've just released an album of songs written about the Prohibition era because in January it was um, 100 years since the US um, Prohibition began. So we've just released an album called Goodbye Booze, um, which seems fitting because no one can go down the shops and buy alcohol anymore or go to the pub. So, you know, nice. uh, we timed that right. Um, I will link that up. Yeah, and then I've got a few other duos and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links to, to put. Um, uh, I, I love playing duo stuff. It's, it's such a, a kind of, I mean, it's, it feels so free. If you're just mm-hmm. playing with a guitarist, there's so much room and it's not constrained by anything. I don't know how... What, what's your favorite way to play in terms of a band cell? Okay, I, I'm, I will answer that momentarily, but I'll just, I, just, I want to really quickly ask you about duo stuff. Because um, I, love, I love, love, love playing in a guitar harmonica duo. The only thing that I've struggled with is finding a guitarist who can put up with a harmonica player um how, how do you deal with that <laughs> or do you, you know, do have that problem <laughs> so, no i never have that no, um so you you said earlier um something like what where's a harmonica player's place in the band and sadly the, the answer is often there is no space for the harmonica <laughs> in the band um and it's difficult i think even in a band setting to find a guitarist who understands what the harmonica what its strengths are. Um, I mean, of course, there are people out there these days who do all sorts of amazing things on the harmonica, playing it chromatically and, uh, you know, diatonic harmonicas playing them chromatically um, and fitting them into all styles of music. But there are basic things that the harmonica is good at. And it's hard sometimes to get people to understand that without becoming a complete virtuoso, you're going to need a helping hand from them or you're going to, they're going to need to allow you a certain kind of space, a certain sonic space in the band. And they're going to have to allow a certain amount of simplicity, maybe in terms of chord structure, but also just in terms of the layering of the, the sound of the band. Um, and again, the, the volume and the dynamics of the band. Um, I find that it i just you know i've met a lot of musicians and if you talk to enough of them you're going to find some that that get it you're either going to get like an old blues guy who's who's played with enough harp players that he kind of gets what a harmonica will do and so so will respect that or you sometimes you find the younger people are great i i often play with guitarists who are younger than me now I'm an old man, <laughs> um, and um, they uh, often younger people are just more open. So so they'll kind of they'll listen and and they'll try new things, and it doesn't necessarily always lead to a, a traditional way of playing. But they they might kind of listen, especially if you, if you're older than them, then they think of you as the old man, you know, so you can just tell them what to do. Okay. For, for anyone who hasn't seen Liam, Liam, Liam is a, a very sprightly 30 uh, year old. Is it now? I'm 31. 31. Oh, you're over 30, but you know, uh, that is, that is not an old man. And I'm, I'm holding on to that because I'm a little bit North of that. So <laughs> you just hit 70, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
you're looking good for it to be fair yeah for 70 for 33 not so great uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah you, you asked me about um ideal band setup and i think it, it for me it's changed and it and it will continue to change so um i used to play in a, a six-piece band and and that was a real challenge but it was also really exciting it was it was a challenge because if you have six instruments in a band then it's really difficult to find your space and you know harmonica can can occupy a lot of space and it can also occupy very little space but it, it's knowing how to slot yourself in to two guitars keyboard bass drums um it's it's quite quite full on um, so that that was fun because you had all of this support so you could be a little bit more um, spicy with your playing rather than having to fill out the sound but then after that I went to playing with a two-piece you know as a two-piece just guitar and, and harmonica and that's so amazingly liberating from a harmonica's play, harmonica player's point of view because you can do everything that harmonica can do in that context so you can be a kind of rhythm baseline comping kind of player or you can be very sweet and melodic and there's room for it because the guitar complements you uh, as a harmony instrument the issue that i found with guitarists is it's it it's difficult to find a guitarist who is musically good enough to keep up but also doesn't mind not taking a lot of solos because it's very difficult for a harmonica player to provide enough uh, accompaniment for a guitarist to take a solo without it feeling like the bottom end has completely dropped out of the mix. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've kind of got lucky with, I've played with a few guitarists. Matt Jones, who who was in the Liam Ward band for the first album, it was it was hard to get him to take a solo sometimes. You know, he, he, he was a fabulous guitarist, but he just, he wasn't bothered about, you know, get in the limelight. Um, and uh, Malcolm Thorne, who I'm playing with in a duo at the moment, he's he's the same, you know, it, it's kind of like, I'd like him to take a solo maybe once a night, you know, just, just because the guitarists need to hear a guitar solo and then I'll play something rhythmic underneath. Um, but he he's, he'll do it, but he's not bothered, you know. So maybe maybe I've got lucky, but I've, I've also met a lot of guitarists who could never do duo stuff because their rhythm playing isn't good enough or they just don't they don't get that they are the rhythm or they have to be the rhythm for the bulk of the time you know so um yeah it it's difficult the harmonica is a strange instrument um, and not everyone understands it uh, in terms of other other instruments i mean it's, it's kind of nice for you because you you started out as a guitarist right so you mm -hmm. kind of you see both sides I do, and it's it was it was actually kind of a revelation um, recently for for me, where I I spent a lot of time trying to play everything I could play on guitar on harmonica, and and mm -hmm. that is a losing battle just just because they're so different in terms of um, the note layout and what what their strengths are, um, and it basically meant that my harmonica playing if I did try and do guitar stuff on it, didn't sound great. Um, and my guitar playing was, was kind of falling by the wayside. And it's been a revelation of late that I can just focus on what the harmonica is really good at and, and kind of focus on that, 
or what I find easy on the harmonica. There are players who can do anything on it, as you said, but what I find easy is is the kind of um, the ornamentation um, within the context of a of a band, rather than being the the solid rhythm um, that that kind of keeps everything together. And when I want to be that solid rhythmic player, then I put my guitar on. And so that, that's been quite liberating to realize that each instrument has its strengths and I can play each instrument separately. You know, if, if you're listening to some music you enjoy, in your head, are you playing guitar or are you playing harmonica along to the music? Joe, <laughs> uh, you know it, it, it depends. Um, what, what's actually quite, quite strange is that I don't listen to a lot of... Um, music that features either guitar or harmonica so i tend to listen to a lot of electronic and dance music uh, mm. so a lot of kind of heavily produced stuff specifically because i don't know how to make it um yeah. so i can just enjoy it as music whereas if i'm listening to to guitar or harmonica uh, or music where those instruments slot in i find it difficult to switch off the teacher slash um student brain of oh i wonder how i'd fit in here and i wonder how i would explain to someone how to do it and all that kind of thing yeah how about you it was in um well i certainly don't play guitar in my head because i can't play guitar in real no, life but do, 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 <laughs> in my dreams i'm a guitarist <laughs> no but i i mean what what do you can you can you switch off when you're when you're listening to music I struggle. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of harp unless I'm specifically wanting to turn on the student side of my brain. Mm -hmm. So I will set aside time to listen to stuff um, or I'll say, you know, on the way to a gig, I'll, I'll decide to listen to a certain person, usually Kim Wilson, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, for inspiration. And I know that the whole time I'm listening, I'm going to be a student. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, I, I don't really, I don't really listen at home. And one of the saddest things is that I grew up listening to Bob Dylan and Neil Young and, you know, especially Dylan, I just can't listen to him anymore. Um, and you know, he, he's kind of a poet and a genius and all that stuff that we all know, but playing the harmonica has ruined his music for me. I can't sit and listen to it. That's funny. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything Dylan-related. <laughs> you know, and this is coming from a guy who's got Bob Dylan tunes, you know, lessons on YouTube, like I taught <laughs> stuff. Um, but, and, and that's the thing, it got me into harmonica and it's got millions of people into the instrument and maybe more than anyone else in Western music, you know, he's kind of got people into playing diatonic harmonica and, you know, that's something. Um, but it's a shame that, you know, the, the solo comes, I'm, I'm enjoying the song and then the solo comes in and I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> See, I, I get that. But but then do you not think that it, it's the perfect solo for that song? Yeah, you... in a way. But I mean, sometimes it's it's still a bit piercing, you know. Mm. Um, I, I It's not that I'm going, oh, his technique's bad. Um, but it's, it's just sort of, partly it's... Partly it's, it's just that I've become so used to trying to finesse my playing, you know, that anything rough around the edges is, is, is deemed bad. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it kind of does suit the music. But um, I'm like you, you know, I, I don't 
if I'm listening just to music at home for the joy of listening, I won't listen to harmonica stuff, even if it's great stuff. You know, the better it, the better it is, the worse the problem is, because you're then like, oh, I want to know how to do it, you know, yeah. and then you're stopping and rewinding it and getting your harps out of the case and all that. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... It's definitely a, a harmonica-free zone in the the kind of um, relaxing at home stage. As much as anything else, I mean, Joe, my wife, has to listen to me playing harmonica uh, every day. And if when we were sitting listening to music, I also said, "Oh, we're going to listen to some William Clark now," she she would kill me. <laughs> Check out that four-draw bend. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, I I will kind of walk down the street listening to. William Clark and just be completely blown away but all I want to do is rush home and and work out what he's doing um it, it's really difficult to just enjoy it um I think some of that goes away a little bit when when you're listening to harmonica players live um certainly I know that when when we've done the harmonica workshop together I've always loved uh, all the guest teachers and and watching their sets um apart from yours <laughs> i find it painful so i'm not surprised you do uh, no i mean i i love your playing you know i do this is it's the only reason that i can get away with uh sounding like such an ass when i talk about you um there, there were a couple of things that i've seen through, through your um social media recently that i i kind of I've been thinking about. So one of them was was the first podcast you did with Will Wilde and he was kind of saying how you can easily split harmonica players generally into, you know, a few uh, schools of where, you know, if they sound like Little Walter mm-hmm. or um, William Clark or George Smith or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of there's, there's a few like big names. And obviously Will Wilde has, has carved his own yeah. path and, and doing his own thing and doing an amazing thing. And I was kind of interested listening to that because I, I agree with him. And yet at the same time, I've actually sort of learned to love that thing of trying to like the, the, the classic sound is mm-hmm. so good that I, I'm enjoying the quest of trying to do that or do a version of it. Um, not, not be little Walter, but like, it's so good why would I try and do something vastly different? Um, and and Will Wilde is doing something vastly different and doing it really, really well. Um, I don't think I could do that. So maybe it's just because I'm shit, you know. But um, it, it's kind of like, I actually, there, I think there is value in in um, trying to do and, and not reinvent the wheel. But, you, you know, I think there's, mm. there is still value in that. Um, I mean, I, I try... The thing I can't do is reproduce the lyrics. I'm, I'm not interested in the lyrics because they're stories of different people's lives. So I feel I should tell my own story lyrically, but melodically and, and harmonically, you know, and rhythmically and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, you know what? If I get anywhere near one of those classic, those those kind of legends, I'm, I'm happy. What What's your kind of take on that? So it's a weird one for me because um, I... I, I didn't want to be a harmonica player. I wanted to be a guitarist. Nobody does. <laughs> no, but like I, I I was totally, totally in love with guitar and I everything that I did was to become a guitarist. And then I got tendonitis in both my wrists and I had to stop playing for 18 months. 
And so, you know, I still wanted to play music. So I started playing harmonica um, and I really enjoyed harmonica, but I, I still wanted to play all the guitar stuff on harmonica, which I think is a little bit similar to, to how Will thinks about harmonica. Um, and and it, it was it was fun, but it was always kind of lacking. And, and for me, my, you know, my technique never got to the stage where I could play it fully chromatically as I wanted to. You know, I couldn't do all the, the stuff that I would easily play on guitar just because of how the notes are laid out on guitar, not because I was ever an amazing guitarist, but just because, you know, chromaticisms are dead easy on guitar. Um, it's just the way the instrument's built, whereas chromaticisms are not dead easy on a harmonica. Um, and so for, for a really long time, I worked on the guitar, guitarist playing harmonica and trying to play guitar lines on harmonica. And I think that did good things for my playing, but it, it, it was very confusing for me as to how I slotted into a band. Um, and it was, I think it was quite confusing when people listened to me because like, oh, look, he's, he's shredding on harmonica. That's weird. Um, and then I started seeing people like you and I started seeing people like David Barrett and, and seeing them live. And I was like, wow, there's this, there's this thing that harmonica does that other instruments don't do, which is texture. And, and there's, there's such a sweet texture. Uh, well, there are so many sweet textures, uh, on the instrument that that make it what it is and a lot of that is all the, the the really kind of classic sounds that you can get um you know going through a bullet mic into a small valve amp and doing a lot of the the classic tongue block techniques uh so i i've kind of come full circle from being very anti classic harmonica to being completely in love with it uh but but still with a little bit of that that kind of voice in the back of my head is like, well, you can still hit those notes that you're not supposed to. Um, that's cool. So you, you should do that. Um, but, but also stay true to a little bit of the, the heritage of the instrument. Um, and that, that was quite, quite a revelation because like, I, I was one of those people that would play minor and second position between hole six and nine. And mm. And I wouldn't think about switching to to a major pentatonic up there because the notes lay out really easily. And mm. and then when I started noticing that's what people did, and playing with that sound, I was like that's that's really cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a journey, and I'm sure I'll change a few times more in in my musical path as well. Yeah, I mean that's it. It's an interesting sort of area to get into this idea of you then hear, oh, well, actually, they're playing that more kind of major sound up there. And you get used to that sound, and then it starts to sound not like the only thing you can do, but it sounds okay, and it sounds right, and it's, it sort of sounds fitting. And it doesn't sound strange anymore that they're putting in the, the you know, the whatever, the flat third and the flat five in the bottom octave, mm. but they're not doing it up in the top octave. You just get used to that. Um, and it's I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but it's very difficult to divorce your kind of hearing of of the instrument from its history and and from its legacy. And I think that can actually be a good thing. It means well, then you become you become part of the the next step of that that instrument, and it, you're not leaving behind the the way it was. Um, you're not necessarily just a 
heritage kind of artist trying to do exactly that, but you sort of, you're respecting it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something else I saw on uh, your social media. You put out a little video of Lee Sankey answering a question mm-hmm. in one of your, I think it was a live Q&A or something, um, and he was asked about a, a video on YouTube of him playing a solo and how did he form that solo? And he, I was just reminded of his answer when you were talking about seeing people play live because he mentioned how what you do at home and then what you're doing on stage are very different. They're different head spaces. You're using different parts of your brain. And everything is different. Um, you've still got the same instrument and the, you've you know still got the same abilities, but the situation is so different that you can't kind of... Um, sort of equate the two and that's been something that's just been kind of going around in my head since because I think that's something that again you know if we get to teach some jam stuff in the future it'll be useful to kind of discuss because if if people are sitting out there thinking you know how come I can't do that when I get out of the jam it, it's not just that it's you forget it or you're nervous it's actually a performance is a very different thing it, it's it's actually kind of uh, constituted of completely different things than a practice session you know like it and that's kind of an important thing to get your head around um i i don't know about you but when i see people play live i'm not and you kind of alluded to this so maybe you'll kind of there'll be overlap for you I'm not necessarily listening to them as much as I'm kind of, I'm still processing and analyzing, but it's, I'm analyzing a performance, Mm -hmm. not, not a piece of music, you know? Yeah. That, that, that's a a really solid point. Um, there's such a a big difference between, um, great, great musicianship and great performance. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they, they overlap and that's great. But I think when, when you're watching, well, you, you, I'm sure you've had this experience a bunch of times when you've you've heard recordings of a band and they've been okay, but then you see them live and you're just like, oh, this is this is nuts! Like these these guys are incredible, um, and it and it's it's because the, the performance brings so much to it, um, and that that's something it, it's kind of strange because like I I love being on stage and I love performing and I think that's something that that always takes people by surprise if they've only seen me doing YouTube lessons and then they see me on stage for the first time and they're like, who is that guy? Why does he have an American accent? <laughs> but it, it's because to me, being on stage is acting and yeah. and I love doing that. And I almost kind of come out of myself. I come out of the, the, the musician side um, and, and it's it's less stressful in a lot of ways. Whereas when I'm practicing, it's so I'm so judgmental of my own playing and every little thing really upsets me uh whereas <laughs> I, I can kind of let go a little bit more on stage unless yeah. it's playing in front of liam ward or david barrett <laughs> or ronnie shellist and then you have that moment of shit there's ronnie shellist out there <laughs> listening to me can, can he not just go go outside for a moment <laughs> it's it's interesting because when i hear you play every note annoys and offends me as well <laughs> <laughs> Oh. No, I love your playing. Oh, that, that that stings. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, bad. 
uh, well, <laughs> this, this is going to feel very unnatural, but but this feels like quite a, a natural point to, <laughs> to to wrap things up. Um, but I I don't want to to wrap things up just yet. Uh, I would like you to uh, tell us what uh, what you want to, to to promote, what what uh, people should be checking out. I'm going to be putting your new Absolute Beginner course in the show notes, but uh, what what else should people be checking out? So the main thing to check out at the minute is is my YouTube channel. So if you can put a link to to the Learn the Harmonica YouTube channel, um, I'm planning over the next two months to to be pretty active um, because I've got nothing better to do. I've done all my carpentry for, for the moment and um, I, and I've got all these ideas. Um, so I'm do, going to do a lot of beginner stuff coming up. So the beginners out there keep an eye out. Um, but I'll also be keeping up with my um, usual song studies and blues stuff and all that stuff I'm passionate about. Nice. And also we need we need to push it to 100,000. Yes, that's true at, at some point in the next 10 years. I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's going to be within the next couple of months. I mean, not, uh, not that I keep an eye on what everyone's subs are <laughs> because that not, would be not, madness. <laughs> not that you're emailing people saying, please don't subscribe to Liam's YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to mine instead. You know, there's, 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 when I upload a video to YouTube, there's always one person who dislikes it in like the first 10 yep, views. It's me. And I really wish you'd stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have exactly the same. And it's just, it's so bizarre because I, I understand that people don't like the videos but it's just, it's how quick it is. It's kind of, yeah, as yeah. soon as it's up online, someone dislikes I, it. It feels personal. I'd like to, I'd like to put out a, an appeal right now to whoever is disliking our videos to say, just feel the love and, you know, th think of us at home, watching the, watching the likes going up and how, how painful it is to see that little dislike right at the start. <laughs> or just, just don't watch the video. You know, you must you must get the same as me. I mean, I get all these emails. You know, dear Tomlin, uh, will you do this lesson, please? And I obviously reply saying, I'm not Tomlin, but um, no, I won't do the lesson. No, I, I get a lot of requests, and uh -huh. you can't do them all. You know, and sometimes they're like obscure things that you think, well, they're literally the only person who'll watch it. Um, but I try to do as many as possible. But I wonder if there's someone out there who I've never done the song they wanted. <laughs> so every video that isn't that song, they're just clicking. Oh, maybe. Yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> down. Well, maybe if that person's listening, can you can you send Liam an email and uh, tell, tell him what song you want doing? And uh, I'm sure he will acquiesce to that request so that you start liking. <laughs> well... Thank you so much for, for a lovely, lovely time. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I hope that everyone checks out learntheharmonica.com and everything else that we've mentioned in the show notes. Uh, Liam is a fabulous teacher, which is why I love working with him so much and a fabulous player. So you need to check out all of his stuff. And uh, yeah, I'll see you very soon. Take it easy. Am I saying goodbye? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I didn't know if you were speaking to and, me or speaking and, to And you're saying audience. goodbye like that. I'm going <laughs> to... Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. Join me next Monday for the next episode. Happy harping! <laughs>